0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church, and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. In Genesis chapter 32, verse 22, if you've got a Bible, turn to it. If you don't, it should come up on the screen behind me. And let me read this out. And he arose... That night, and took his two wives. Tony's going to explain that next week. (laughs) (laughs) His two female servants, his 11 sons, and crossed over the ford of Jabok. He took them, sent them over the brook. Uh, And sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Say that part again. I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? He said, Tim Philip. Yeah. One L, no S. He said, Jacob. This is a significant little part of the story here. And he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, Tell me your name, I pray. He said, Why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Before we go any further, I want to tell you a little bit about my start. Uh, my start, if you like, or some of our starts, they're not often clean starts. They can, be, they can be messy starts. Can I just say this? It doesn't matter how you start. God is not so interested in your start. He's interested in where kind of you end up. He's interested in your future. So I'm going to be honest tonight. At the age of 14, I'd stopped going to church. I didn't have to go anymore. Mum and Dad, they always went to church. At the age of 14, I was old enough to stay home, so I stopped going. Uh, one night, my brother, my older brother, you know, my the guy that I look to, my, I don't know, whatever he is, the person that, you know, it's your older brother, is awesome. And then also my best friend. So mum and dad were out at a church meeting. My older brother and my best friend, they come home. I'm uh, home on my own. I walk in the door, mum and dad are out of the house. My older brother and my best friend, they're laughing, they're giggling, they're joking, they're making all sorts of weird comments and things. And I'm saying like, What's going on? What are you guys doing? Oh man, it's, it's all good, but I can tell they're giggling and they're <laughs> like that. And I was like, "What, what are you guys been doing?" Got to remember, I'm 14, my brother's 16. Uh, then I got my so my older brother, my best friend. They're going, "Should we tell him? Should we tell him?" And my older brother's going, "No, no, no! Don't tell him! Don't tell him! He's my little brother. We can't tell him. We can't tell him." And my best friend's going, "Yeah, let's tell him. Let's tell him. Let's tell him." And so they go, "I'm like, what? 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 What?" And he's like, "Let's tell him." And they go, "We've been, we've, we've been smoking this stuff." And uh, it's making us real happy. And I'm like, what stuff? What is it? It's like, oh, it's, it's marijuana. It's, do you want to try some? And you've got to understand, i got my older brother and my best friend, and they've been doing this, and they're saying to me, do you want to try some? So I'm like, okay, let's, let's do this. And so I did. And I loved it. <laughs> and then from about the age of 14 to the age of 19, I got hooked on it. And I was totally hooked. And at the age of 19, we moved out of home. Me and my now wife, Cindy, we moved out of home. We were living together, and I thought, if I can move out of home, i got a great idea. I'm going to grow this stuff. I'm going to sell this stuff. I'm going to smoke this stuff every day. I'm not going to have to work. I am set up. I'm good to go. And so I did. I executed my plan perfectly. (laughs) And I thought that I would be happy. I thought that this is, I could go surfing every day. I could skate every day. I could take drugs every day. And I thought I should be the happiest kid, the happiest guy around. The truth is, I wasn't. The truth is, I was miserable. And so one particular day at about 19 and a half, I think, I I thought, I'm going to go and ask my mum. I'm going to ask her what I should do with my life. And so I went up to my mum's house and I said, mum, what should I do? And I didn't tell her half of the stuff that had been going on, but I thought, you know, I gotta kind of let her know a little bit where I'm at. And I just said, I'm not, I'm not feeling that good. I'm feeling flat and, and I'm not sure what I should do. And, and what does my future look like? Cause I left school when I was 15. And so I'm asking mum these questions. I got no education. I didn't let her know about the drug addiction cause I thought that's just really gonna get my mum down. So I thought I better not tell her all of it, but I, I felt, you know, what's my future look like? And she's going, well, uh, your father and I, you know, we've always gone to church. We read our Bibles, we listen to Christian music, and we've always been trying to get you boys into church, but you just never have. And I remember thinking to myself, I remember thinking, this is a time where I'm asking for proper help. I'm, I'm saying, Mom, I'm at a miserable spot. I need proper help. And all as you can say is read your Bible and go to church. I mean, I think I swore at her. I was like, this is, mm, you know, mum. Tell me what I meant to do. And she, she did. She goes, well, why don't, you, why don't you take the Bible home? And I, I was like, you serious? Take the Bible home. She said, take the Bible home and uh, you just have a little read of it yourself and see if, see if God talks to you. And so that day I did. I took the Bible home, but I was so angry. I don't know what I was angry at. I was angry at everything. I was angry at life. I was angry at my parents. I was angry at my life. I was angry at myself for becoming what I'd become. I kind of had this thought, and at 19, I'm thinking, you haven't become anything. You've done nothing. You've got no job, no education, and you're a drug addict. And it all started to finally kind of hit home. And so the real fight, or the real battle, was actually with myself. I didn't like who I'd become, but I'd tried to change this life once before, and I'd failed twice. I thought, I can can fix this. If I want to stop, I can stop anytime. I realised I couldn't. I was trapped by this thing. And so that day, I was angry, I was annoyed. And so I did, I took a bong in one hand and the Bible in the other. And I thought, I've got a good idea. I'm gonna smoke a bong and read the Bible. <laughs> and I was doing this in some like angry, like, well, what are you gonna do about it if I do this? Who do you think you are? Can I just say this? God is not intimidated by your sin and God is not intimidated by where you're at. You gotta start you got to start with truth. Truth is a scary thing to start with because the truth of who you are and where you're at, we don't want to face that. But the reality is that day I was so angry with myself, I'd become angry with God, but I was too scared to admit who I'd become. So I thought, I'm going to start today. And so I did. I started reading. I read somewhere in here, give up your wicked ways. God wasn't nice about it. It wasn't a grace message. It was give up your wicked ways. What you're doing is wicked. And it didn't feel bad. It didn't feel, I didn't feel guilty. I didn't feel like God was judging me. The weirdest thing, you'd think if someone said that to you, that you'd feel really bad, but I didn't feel bad. I felt like there was a God in heaven that actually believed in me more than I believed in myself that day. And he said, I'm gonna come down into the middle of your sin, into the middle of your life with the drug, smoke and all, because you know God's not intimidated by that. He's come right down into the middle of it. And he said, here I am. You need to stop this because it's not your future. You need to change. And, but I had this overwhelming feeling of you can't. You're a failure. You're never gonna make it. You're not gonna get through this. You've failed once, you've failed twice, and today you're gonna fail again. And I thought to myself, right, I'm not failing. So I picked up the Bible in the one hand, the bong in the other. I took the bong, I put it on the ground. I held the Bible and said, God, you gotta help me now. And I smashed that thing <laughs> under my foot. I realised this, that day, that day, there was a moment where it was like the Word of God, the light of God was in a fight with the darkness. And I'm telling you that the light, the Word of God is going to win every single time if you give your life over to Him. So that's my start. That's where I started. After that day, uh, well, right then in that moment, actually I had all sorts of things going on in that house, but I got rid of it all. And Cindy, she was at work, so I rung it and I said, hey, I'm changing. I'm going to change. Today I'm changing. She's like, okay, what do you mean? I said, well, I'm not going to be doing that stuff I used to do anymore. And also, this Sunday, we need to go to church. She's like, okay, got it. I said, and also, I feel like God's been talking to me. Okay, and she's like, what did he say? I said, he said move to New Zealand. She's like, right. And also, we need to get married because we shouldn't be living together if we're not married. So I just rung her at work to tell her these things. You'll be fine we're going to start going to church, we're going to get married, and we're moving to New Zealand. Why are you crying? What's, what's wrong? I've been smoking drugs, and God's talked to me. You can imagine her, her headspace. She's like, right, okay. So we did all those things. It worked out. God is good the whole time. So let me talk about Jacob just for a moment, and then I've got a few minutes left, and then we'll, we'll finish up. The reason why I love that story of Jacob is because at that moment where that angel, the man of God, comes and wrestles with him, and the man of God actually asks, what is your name? And for the first time I believe in Jacob's life, he said, Jacob, this is who I am. I finally own who I am. It's my starting point. This is who I am. I can't change who I am. I can't change my past. I can't change what I've done, the things I did. I can't change those things. It's who I am. To understand that story from the start, you've got to understand that Jacob was born second. He wasn't born first. In that culture, if you were born second, you didn't get the blessing. The eldest brother got the blessing, not Jacob. So he knew in his life that he was never going to get the blessing. He was never going to get the thing he really wanted. But his mum kind of liked him more than the mum liked the other brother, Esau. And so the mum said, look, it's about this time. Your daddy's getting, getting old. He's going to die. And uh, why don't you sneak in and you can get the blessing? And Jacob's like, I can just sneak in. How does this work? But dad will know that I'm not the eldest. And she goes, no, no, no. I'll cook the food for you. Uh, you he goes, but my brother, he's really hairy. And it says that Jacob was a smooth man. I like that. He was a, he was a smooth man. But his brother's hairy and his brother's a hunter and his brother's tough and his brother's strong. And But Jacob, he's a smooth mummy's boy, stay at home kind of guy. And the mum goes, but I like you, Jacob. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to get some goat's hair and we're going to get some super glue and we're going to stick the hair on your arm and we'll stick the hair on your back and I'll get some of your brother's clothes and we'll put your brother's clothes on you. And your dad, he's blind. He can't see anymore. So you're going to go in there and you're going to pretend that you're, you're Esau. Okay, that's what you're going to do. So Jacob, he walks in, he's got the goat's hair on his hand. He's got the brother's clothes on. He kind of tries to deepen his voice a little bit. Dad, it's, uh, it's Esau. Come, come to get the blessing, and." Uh, his dad goes, it doesn't really sound like, like, are you sure? Definitely sure, promise. And so he says, come closer, let me, let me touch you. And so he gets the goat skin hand, he puts it out, touch there, dad. And dad touches, oh, you are a hairy beast, aren't you? And, you know, touch there, yeah, definitely hairy. Smell the clothes. And the dad's like, you smell like him. And so the dad, right at that moment, the dad blesses him. The dad goes, you're going to be blessed. You're going to have a great life. You're going to, you're going to grow. You're going to expand. You're going to, your brothers, they're going to serve you. You're not going to serve them. And right at that moment, Jacob, he's like, I'm out of there. He goes, he runs. Esau comes home because Esau had gone off to get this food, to get the blessing. Esau walks into the room. Dad, I got the food. I've made the stew. Where's the blessing? And the dad, Isaac, he goes, I've already done this. I've already blessed you. And he goes, no, 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 I've been out hunting. I haven't received any blessing. Dad, no, 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 I felt you. I smelt you. I did it. No, it wasn't me, dad. And the dad's like, oh, I've given it to someone else. And so Esau's like, dad, you got there's got to be another one. There'll be another one. And the dad's like, there's not another one. There's only one. I can give you a second one, but it's not as good as the first one. And it said that from that day, Esau hated his brother. Didn't, didn't just dislike him he hated him. It's a weird thing when someone else starts getting blessed and you've got to sit by and what, it's a weird thing when your son comes home and says, Tony Rainbow's muscles are bigger than yours. <laughs> it's, a, it's a funny thing to still kind of, I like, I still like him. It's a weird thing for Esau. He couldn't handle it. He's like, I don't like it at all. I hate him. I hate him getting blessed. I want to, and, and the brother's like, I want to kill him. I'm going to kill him. And the mum says to Jacob, she says, Jacob, your brother, what you've done, the brother, he hates you, you better run. She says, go visit your uncle Laban, it should take a few days, and I reckon your brother, he'll calm down. She says, three days. That's what the mum said, three days, your brother will calm down, he won't want to kill you anymore, and you're going to be fine. And so Jacob goes, good, I'll go away. So that night, understand, he's received the blessing. The ble- he's got this blessing, the magical blessing, he's got it. And that night he sleeps out under an open heaven. No tent, no family, no brothers, no sisters, no mothers, nothing. He hasn't got cover, he hasn't got a blanket. He says he uses a rock as a pillow. So on the, the first night that he's got the blessing, he's got nothing. He's got nothing. But he lays there on this rock that night and he has this dream. And he says, I, could, I saw this ladder and it was set up on the earth. I find that really interesting that the ladder was set up on the earth. It's not a ladder that was coming from heaven down. It's a ladder that somebody set up on the earth. And on this ladder, I saw angels ascending and descending. And he has this little thought. He goes, this is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And he makes this comment. He says, how awesome is this place. How awesome is this place? When we set something up on the earth that gets God's attention and angels are gonna go up and down because people make a commitment to set something up in their life. It doesn't matter where you start, but if you make a decision to set something up, it'll get God's attention. So he has this dream. He lays down on this rock. He wakes up in the morning. He thinks this is good. He goes to his uncle's house, Laban. He sees this woman. He's like, she's hot. Her name's Rachel. The Bible says that she was easy on the eye. He was a smooth man and she was easy on the eye. I can imagine him up by the well, (laughs) looking at her and, you know, and so he's, he's like, he falls in love instantly. I mean... He just think, head over heels, that's the girl for me. Hadn't talked to her much. Didn't know what her, he didn't care. He just loved her based on outward appearance. And then uh, the dad, or Laban, sorry, the uncle, you know, they they come up with this little arrangement. Jacob goes, I want to marry Rachel. And the dad of Rachel, Laban, he goes, okay. If you want to marry her, you're going to work seven years. Seven years, then you can marry her. And he's so in love with her that he's like, I'm going to do it. I'm gonna work for seven years to get this this deal. And uh, he does it. Seven years he works. And then and then they have the wedding night, and then late that night, uh, he has a few too many wines and kind of gets a little tipsy, and the dad does this horrible thing. He gets the other daughter, Leah. And and while he's gone off to his bedroom and he's kind of a bit tipsy and he lays down, and he doesn't know what's going on. And the uncle Laban he puts Leah in the bed next to him, and he, you know. I don't know what they did. They did something. And he wakes up in the morning, like thinking like the wedding night has been awesome. And he wakes up in the morning, looks like, "Ah!" it's Leah, not Rachel. Now I'm sure that Leah's personality was through the roof, but the Bible says that she wasn't so easy on the eye, but she had a great personality. And, but she wasn't the looker. And so he gets up out of his tent, walks over to the uncle and says, you tricked me. You tricked me. And the dad goes, all right, well, uh, if you want Rachel, you can work another seven years. He's like, you're kidding me. Another seven? First, I've woken up with something I didn't want to wake up with. And now I've got to work another seven to get what I actually wanted. And but he does it. He's like, another seven years. He works and finally gets to marry Rachel and they have some kids and life starts going good for Jacob. You've got to understand though where he started and then he's seven years, and then another seven years. And then he ends up staying at the uncle's place for nearly 20 years. So remember, the mum said, "Give, give it a few days. Give it three days, and then you can come home. 20 years later. It took so much longer than he wanted it to take. 20 years later. God speaks to him and says, now you can go home. So he gets up his wives, which Tony will explain next week. He gets his servants, he gets his kids and they make their way. And it says that he sends everything over. He's got it because he's nervous. He's worried because when he left, his brother wanted to kill him. So he's, he's worried that when he goes back, this, this thing between him and his brother is gonna actually it's gonna happen. So he, he starts sending little bits over, like some of them people and some of them people. And then they get word that your brother is on his way, and he's got four hundred troops or four hundred soldiers, and they're gonna come. And 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 he's terrified. So he ends up sending all of his stuff over, but he stays back on the other side of this brook, Jabbok. And uh, he's there, and everyone else, he sent it all on. He sent it all into the future. He's let it all go, all his stuff, all his possessions everything that he's earned, everything that he thinks is his. He's like, I'm sending it all on into the future. I'm letting go of all of it, but I'm not leaving this point until I get blessed. And this is when this person shows up. Most Bible scholars say it was the Son of God. They believe it was Jesus. They, he shows up and he doesn't just give this blessing, but he starts wrestling with him. And this wrestle goes on. And then it's like Jacob's actually starting to win the wrestle. He's winning a wrestle with God. And this thing happens where in the end, the angel goes, what's your name? What is your name? And I think for the first time ever, he goes, my name is Jacob. This is who I am. This is what I've got. I've sent it all over. I can't. I got nothing right now. It's where I started. And, but he's winning this wrestle. And so then the man of God touches his hip. And so it says he walks out of that place that night with the blessing. He blesses him right there. And he walks out with this limp. And it says the sun started to shine on him from that point or that morning as the sun rose. You got this limping man, 20 years of hard work, had to leave some things behind had to leave some things behind, had to work twice as hard as he should have to get some of these things, had to wrestle to get the blessing. I heard one preacher say that God can't bless who we pretend to be. He can only bless who we are. And that sometimes God is waiting for us to admit who we are and where we're at right now. If we understand that God wants to bless us, God is for us and not against us, He's with us, that He'll never leave us nor forsake us, that He died on a cross for us to cover our sins. And we can go, this is who I am. This is where I'm at. And, but God wants to bless me here. And so He receives that blessing. It's awesome. It's great. He goes over to His brother and they start talking. His brother's actually happy to see him and it all kind of works out. And His brother says to Him this crazy thing. He says, oh, just, just come back with me. Let's go and, and uh, we'll just, it's kind of like this thing of, let's just go back to the way things were you know, you're back. It's awesome. You're back. Let's go back to the way things were. And Jacob's like, no, 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 I'm not coming back. It's like, I've changed. Something's, you know, like this journey, this journey has changed me. Something's changed in here. I can't go back to the way things were. I may have been there at that time, but I'm not going back to that. That's not me anymore. I've changed. Something has changed in here. And and I found that, There are people that will try and get you. Let's just go back to the way things were. I can't go back to the way things were. Something has changed in me. I've seen a dream. I've seen a vision. I saw angels ascending and descending. Things have changed. This is the house of God. How awesome is this place? It's worth changing for. And so he goes out and says, I'm I'm not. And he goes and he sets up his own thing. He sets up his own tent. And uh, it's just an amazing little moment where there's always that lure to, let's go back to the way things were. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, forget about all of this God stuff. Yeah. Forget about but this call of God. What is that? What are all these people up here jumping around, waving their hands? What is all this? I mean, it's all, it's, all, it's crazy. It's not worth giving your life up for. The, yeah, that's that, that feeling. You've got to like switch that thing off and go, hang on a minute. What did I first see? What did God first reveal to me? When I was in the middle of despair and in the middle of my sin, what did He first show me in that place? He showed me a future. He showed me something that could be set up here on the earth. You know, this is why I love your pastors, Tony and Kath, because they've gone through hell to set something up in Adelaide where now it's got God's attention But, you know, it's not just anyone that can do that. It's not just anyone that can set that thing up. It takes a unique, special type of person to actually go, I'm willing to walk through this. I'm willing to leave some things behind. I'm willing to work twice as hard as I have. I'm willing to wrestle with God to make sure that I get this blessing because there is more attached to this blessing than just me. This is actually beyond me. This is actually beyond just us. There is a whole generation of men and women that need to hear the Gospel, (laughs) that need to hear the message of Jesus Christ. So I've got to go and be willing to walk through those things, to send some things on and go, you know what? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Let's all... Let's all stand up on our feet and if I can get the band to come, that will be fantastic. In Jesus' name, I have some water. I'll talk into the microphone so that it's not awkward for a while because if I just stood here, it would be kind of strange. But right now, the power of God is in this place. Right now, God is speaking to some of you. I can feel the presence of God here. I know that as a church, you've been through some things this year. We're not gonna go into all of those things. I know that your pastor's been through some things. I know he's had to let go of some things and change some things and he's done it and he's conquered it. And uh, I just, I had this thought about Paul and Silas. You know the story of Paul and Silas? They go out to do this work and as a result of doing this work, they end up getting beaten with rods for the work that they tried to do. And they get beaten with rods and they get thrown into the innermost part of this prison. And it says they take their feet and they put their feet in these stocks, locked up. They close the doors. They're locked up in this place and they think we'll probably never get out of here. The deepest, most inner part of this thing. Even if I want to change, I don't think I can. Even if I wanted this situation to change, I don't think it'll ever change. It's how I started. It's where I began. Left school when I was 15. Addicted to drugs. I'll never get out of this. What on earth is giving my life to God? How's that gonna help anything? Not even God could change this. And if you just give God a chance to get on your side for a moment, if you just let Him in, doesn't matter where you are. doesn't matter what sin you've got on going on in your life. If you just give Him a shot, if you just open the door, it says that He will come in. It says the enemy comes in like a flood, but God will raise up a standard. If we open our hearts unto Him, He will come in. But we've got to open that thing up and go, you know what? I'm going to let that passion, I'm going to let that fire stir on the inside of me. I don't care where I started. I might not be perfect, but I'm not gonna stay here. I've paid too much of a price to stay in this place. Here today, I'm crossing over. Here today, I'm sending those things on in front of me. I gotta tell you, they locked them up in the middle of that prison. It says about midnight, about midnight, they started to pray. About midnight at the darkest hour of the night, they started to sing, they started to praise, they started to weep. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you ask or imagine, He is able to get you out of any prison. He is able to get you out of your locked up. He can get you out of that place in Jesus' Name. It says at about midnight, at about midnight, they're praying, they're singing hymns, the other prisoners can hear them. And it says right at that point, there was a great earthquake and the ground began to shake and the prison doors begin to open and the shackles on their feet get broken off their feet. And it says that they walked out of that place. It doesn't just say their prison door, it said every door in the whole prison. Every chain was broken, every shackle was cast off, every door was open. They went in one way They went in one way and they came out another way. They went into 2016 one way, but you all came out another way. You might have gone in in a trial, but you're coming out blessed. I'm not leaving this place until you bless me. I'm not going through this until I get a blessing. I got a story better than that. They took Jesus crucified Him, put nails through His hands, nails through His feet, put a spear in His side, nailed Him to that cross. He bled and He died. They rolled a stone over that tomb, sealed Him in a grave. The Bible says He went down into the belly of the earth, down into hell where every prison door was locked up, where every chain was firmly fastened. He went down into the middle of that place, It says He loosed every captive. He set every person free. He broke every chain. He opened every door. I'm telling you, no weapon formed against you can prosper. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. His rod and His staff, they will comfort you. He can prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. He has anointed your head with oil. Your cup is gonna run over. You will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Nothing can defeat you. Jesus has conquered. Every force of darkness has been broken. Every chain has been set free. Every prison door has been opened. And all God needs you to say is, here I am. Here I am, Lord. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.